the table and welcome to the Braveheart Podcast. We're focusing on two aspects of the table of the Lord, which are the proclamation and message of the gospel, but also practicals on living out this message with each other as brothers and sisters and family in Christ of different backgrounds, races, and denominations. Though we may not normally find them in our various organizations, they're here at the Lord's table alongside us. This is New Covenant Unity. Yet because we're so accustomed to merely having organizational unity, it feels strange to embrace New Covenant Unity. Organizational unity can only bring about people who look the same and who are culturally similar. But New Covenant Unity is brought about by our common faith and union to the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. This real, intimate connection we have with Christ produces a real and intimate love for one another, despite cultural and societal differences. We too must learn to welcome, love, and rejoice in the maturing process of our brothers and sisters in the Lord. Too often we get distracted by what people are not, instead of seeing what they will be as they continue to feast at the Lord's table. And we hope that this week's episode of the Braveheart Podcast strengthens and encourages your faith to do the exact same in your church, in your family, and to the lost. And if you want to follow along with Peter and Christy as they're teaching throughout this podcast, you can go into the description, click the link, and it'll bring you to a free resource that we have just for you. We love you, we thank you, and we hope you enjoy this week's episode of the Braveheart Podcast. say, I see you. I see you. And if you don't feel seen, I want to say that I see you. God sees you. He sees you. So I just want to say that, that what he knit together in your mother's womb, whether or not you were an accident or a surprise, He sees you, and I see you, and what I see is good. What he sees is good. And even if your vision's foggy, his is perfect. So, Jesus, I just say over these people, I say, God, that you see. You see. And your vision is perfect. So God, I just ask in Jesus' name that where there is questions, where there is identity crisis, that people would see themselves seated in the heart of the Father because that's where they are. And nothing changes that, God. So I just release that in Jesus' name. I just say that rejection is not your lot. Condemnation is not your lot. Self-hatred is not your lot. I say that the lot of these people is the ones that are loved by God. In the name of Jesus. And that that love would spill out. In Jesus' name. Amen. 
So I want to um, just show this quick little video because, um, you know, I have five kids, which is really fun and also really crazy. And um, you find out things that you say because your kids start saying them. And you're like, why are they always saying that? And you're like, oh, my gosh, I must say that. And you don't even know. So one thing that I guess we say a lot in our house is, I see you. I see you. And so anyways, I just want y'all to absorb the preciousness of, of this moment, okay? And then um, I actually have a little, there's a little analogy there, but um, Justin, this is my precious, this is Eleanor, look at her. Be still my heart. The Lord told me while she was in my womb, he said, she's going to be a mini-me. And I was like, oh, Lord, I hope so, you know? So I kid you not, babe, does she look identical to my baby pictures? Identical. It's amazing. God don't lie. Okay? Okay, so Justin, here we go. Okay, now I kind of teeter up there, but like she hit, this is what always happens when you have kids, they say it like 20 times, and you're like, oh, I'm going to get it on camera, and then they stop saying it. So I had to kind of tear up there. But, but here's the thing, how many of y'all were distracted by JJ in the background? Okay, I was like, JJ, shut your mouth. You know, I mean, you're really cute, but please, shut your mouth. Okay, so, right, right, I love the kid, but he was distracting, right? Okay, but like, see, I didn't even pay him attention. I was like, JJ, I'm just not going to pay him attention. I just want to hear you say, I see you. So I'm just looking at Eleanor like, I see you, I see you. JJ's just jabbering away, you know what I'm saying? Okay, so I'm going to talk about the honeymoon season with God, the wilderness season with God, and the promised land experience with God, okay? But let me say this, that in the wilderness, you got JJ chattering, right? He's just chattering away, okay? Now, this is, this is a very rough analogy, okay? So let's just pretend that this, is, this external voice, okay, is, is the world, the flesh, and the devil, okay? Now, like I said, rough analogy, okay? But you get the picture. There's distraction, okay? And it's talking a lot. But you got to figure out what you're going to be fixed on, what you're going to focus on. Is there, is there any problem with me because there's a voice over here talking? No. See, some of us in the wilderness season, okay, we start thinking there's something wrong with us because we hear a voice out here. And then we go to get counseling and healing and all the things and sometimes you just have to ignore the voice, right? Because the Bible says, it says that you're no longer obligated to your sinful nature. That's the, that's the phrase it uses. It says you're, not, you're no longer obligated to the flesh, right? So you might still hear the voice. That doesn't make you a sinner. And it doesn't mean that you fell into sin because you hear a voice, Right? 
you can just tune it out. You don't even have to talk to it. Right? Okay, so I jumped about 18 notes, you know, in my, in my notes, but, but that's, that's just a little key right there. Sometimes you just have to tune it out. Just because you hear a voice that's accusing you doesn't mean that you did something wrong. There's a difference between conviction in your heart and a chirping voice that just keeps on telling you you're no good. Just tune out the voice. Just tune it out and hear his voice because he's saying, I see you. I see you. Doesn't matter if anybody else sees you because I see you. Here's the thing, and this is what burns in my heart. The word says it's Christ in you that's the hope of glory, right? I love it when God comes in prayer meetings and in worship meetings. I love it. But it's actually Christ being formed inside of you and then you getting such a beautiful revelation of Jesus that you become Jesus to the world. People might come into prayer meetings and worship meetings and get saved, but it's actually through them encountering your life that Jesus said, this is my original plan. My original plan is I'm going to come, the Holy Spirit's going to baptize you in the Spirit, and you are going to be my witness. But how you are his witness is going to look way different than how your neighbor is his witness. That's the beautiful thing about God, is that when I sit alone with God and I'm, and I'm with him, what he shows me and what he reveals to me and what comes alive and burns in my heart is going to be way different than what comes alive in Ava's heart. Praise God. You be you. Don't be like somebody else. He doesn't want you to be like somebody else. He's interested in forming himself in you so that when you step out of this building, you're just you and Christ is manifesting himself through you. Because you're not bad anymore. You're good. That's been settled. That's final. You're good. You're good. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter if the chirping's here. You're still good. Okay? So I'm going to share a little bit of my process and what I think is like the overarching process. Okay? Now, everybody's process is going to look a little bit different. But I think that in Scripture, and I can say this personally, that, that there is a process that a believer walks through and the reason why I want to share is because I think it's really important for you to know where you are, you know? It's like, because sometimes, right, we feel alone, and we're like, am I doing this wrong? This doesn't feel right, you know? And, like, I just want to say, like, like I just want to give you permission to be where you are and then to know, like, okay, this might be ahead of me, so you can kind of be prepared for, like, what might happen next, you know? so that you don't, get, you don't get off the rails thinking something went wrong, okay? So this is what I believe. I believe that there's kind of three different uh, stages of the Christian walk. That's like super, um, you know, bold of me to say, but that's just what I'm going to say, okay? And this is what I think it is, okay? I believe that there's a honeymoon season with God. Then I believe there's a wilderness season with God. And then I think there's the promised land. And I think that 
The wilderness, and I'm just going to be honest with you, I think the wilderness is a little bit dependent on you. Don't hear me wrong, okay? But sometimes I think we can stick around in the wilderness for longer than we need to be. Okay? Now, don't go trying to pull up your bootstraps to get out of the wilderness. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that there's a faith that he's wanting to build with us that there does come a point when all of a sudden you could take a step and realize you're outside of the wilderness as you trust him. Okay? So I'm just going to share a little bit of my story. So, uh, And you can kind of find yourself in it. Uh, when I was four years old, I came to know the Lord. So I just want to encourage any of those of you that came, became Christians when you were really young, when you were children, that salvation was real. You don't need to go back, figure it out. When did I get saved? It's real. If you have kids one day and they give their lives to the Lord at three years old, it's real. They don't need to know everything when they're three. They just need to say, Jesus, yeah, I need a Savior. Come in my heart. And that is real. Okay? Nothing wrong with that. I became a Christian when I was four years old. I loved God. I really did. I lo- my heart was just toward him. That wasn't me. He just did that. He did that, and I believe that he, he, he answered the prayers of generations before me. And that's just their fruit, and I just say thank you, God. So that's my story. I became a Christian when I was four. And then um, I, I walked through life a lot. I was like Peter. I grew up in the Bible church. And so, um, you know, I, I loved the Lord the best I knew how. But there was this little voice that was always just like, hey, you're not quite doing enough. You know? How many of you have heard that voice before? Yeah. So sneaky, isn't it? So anyways, I I had a genuine desire to please God, but I always was just a little bit missing the mark. And I didn't like that. I'd go to Christian camp, and I would get this, I would get on fire for God, you know, the emotional high. How many of you know that emotional high is different than getting filled with the Holy Spirit? Okay, it's way different, right? Okay, so I get this emotional high. I come back, and I'm like, I'm going to start a Bible study at my school. And I would fail. And this was my life. And I, I hated it, right? So I go on this mission trip when I'm 16 years old, and this is a different mission trip, okay? I, it's with a charismatic organization. I know nothing about the Holy Spirit. And these people during the worship service, instantly their hands go up and they are worshiping God with their whole hearts. And deep inside my knower, I was like, I knew there was more. And I was like, whatever they got, I want it. And I got filled with the Holy Spirit and I, and I got filled. And, and let me just give some clarity here too. I went forward, I got filled with the Holy Spirit because I wanted a fire that wasn't going to burn out. And I wanted to be a a witness. I genuinely wanted to be on fire for God and to witness for him. And so I go forward. I get filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is all that happened to me. I got filled with peace. I didn't have anxiety about being enough anymore. I just knew I've got something to give. He's inside of me. So I had an incredible peace. And I I was filled with a spirit of prayer and intercession. That's how he decided to fill me. I didn't get tongues. I didn't get prophecy. didn't have any visions. didn't shake. Nothing. Okay? So, so anyways, I, I'm going about my merry way. I feel this incredible need to pray all the time for the people that I'm witnessing to. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm just in love with the Lord. Okay? Few days later, I'm sitting with God. And all of those feelings that I had about four days prior, gone. And I'm like, wait a second, I thought that that was the fire that didn't burn out. What happened? Where are you, God? In all the same things, you're not doing enough. 
you're not you're not praying for the sick like those people over there. And all that stuff starts swirling back. And I'm like, what? And then I just got mad at God. How many of you know it's okay to get mad at God? How many of you know that some of your most effective times with God are when you just let him have it? How many King Davids do I have out there? Just let him have it. Just give it to him good. That's how you know you know God. You can just let him have it. So I'm like, Lord, I'm sick of feeling this way. If you're really real, I'm just going to sit down here, and if you're real, you're just going to have to prove it. And it's not four seconds I'm sitting there. Everybody around me is worshiping. They're in the glory realm. I feel a million miles away from God. I sit down, and I say, and I say, God, if you're really real, then you're going to have to show up. And it wasn't but four seconds, and I felt the embrace of God. And I heard a voice that I've never heard before. And he said, Christy, I love you, and you don't have to do anything. And I wept like a baby. And in that one moment, the light switch came on. And I realized this whole thing isn't about what I can do for God. It's about him and what he did for me. And I thought, I've been doing this thing for 12 years. How did I miss that? You know? So anyways, instantly, and I, and I say instantly, the light switch came on and everything became clear. Everything. The lady up front starts talking and it's like God's connecting all the dots. And I'm like, whoa, I never knew any of this. Whoa, whoa. And I'm just getting, how many of you know I was already saved? We always do this thing. We're like, I don't even know if I was saved before. You were saved. You were saved. You just didn't, you didn't yet know the love of God. It's okay. So anyways, God's connecting all the dots. I'd wanted to read my Bible consistently, have a devotional quiet time my whole life. Never could do it. Just couldn't do it. Don't know why. Wanted to, couldn't do it. I can't do the things I want to do. Does that sound familiar, Paul? Okay, that was me. Okay, so anyways, I opened the book of Ephesians, okay, after this encounter I have with the love of God. I had never heard of the voice of God in my 12 years of Christianity. In a moment, I heard a voice, and then from that point on, I just started hearing it, okay? So I open up to Ephesians after this encounter, and... um, I tell you what, I, I would literally read two sentences and I'd have to stop because I was so undone by what I was reading. I had never seen it in my life. I'm going to read a little bit, okay? <clears throat> All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. I read that, and I was like, how did I ever think this is all about me doing a Bible study for God? Like, how did I miss that? And so I read through Ephesians, and I'm undone. 
And then I get to Ephesians 3, 19. <clears throat> and this became my mandate. I'm going to read it, okay? Um, I'm not going to read it because the, they've changed the translation since I memorized it. So it says in Ephesians 3.19, in the translation I memorized it in when I was 16 years old, it says, may you experience the love of Christ. Though it is so great, you'll never fully understand it. Then you'll be filled with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. And I said, oh, my gosh, that's what happened to me. It is written. And I'm freaking out. I'm like, may you experience the love of Christ. Yep. Then you'll be filled with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Nailed it. I'm like, that's what happened to me. And I become this, like, maniac for Jesus. So this deep desire that I had, Jesus, I just want to live for you. I just, wanna, I just want the world to be saved. I just want to, like, be a leader for Christ at my school. This, like, earnest desire that he gave me, he then showed me that, hey, the only way that's going to be possible is if you experience my love. And then you'll be filled with the fullness of life and power that comes from me. And so then I became this maniac, and I was like, I want everybody to experience the love of Jesus. And so, like, I'm sharing with my friends, and I'm like, you know, God really loves you. She's like, I know. I'm like, no, you don't. Because if you did, you would feel what I feel right now. And I'm like, you know, and I'm freaking out, you know. And she's like, Christy, I know Jesus loves me. And I'm like, no, you don't. I mean, it's like, that probably wasn't great. But I was 16, and I was zealous. So anyways, I get filled with God. Okay, so this is the honeymoon season, right? Okay, so onward I go, and I am like, I'm, I am in the word, and I am like, I'm eating it, and everything is good, and I'm loving it all, and I'm spending, and then I get to college, and I'm spending like ample time with God. I got like three hours with the Lord, you know, under the tree. How many of y'all went to A&M? Do I have any Aggies out there? You know, so I'm just like sitting on campus with my picnic blanket just reading the word. You know, and I'm like, oh my, and I'm feeling the spirit. I like am living in this glory swirl, okay? And then this is, this is when you get all the dreams of God, okay? So I'm sitting there, and I'm like, you know, this was back when um, Ask and I'll Give the Nations to You. How many of you know this song? Ask and I'll give the nations. Oh, Lord, that's the cry of my heart. I mean, weeping, singing this song, okay? So the Lord fills me and really gives me a calling to missions at this point, okay? And so I'm like, and, and I go on this mission trip, and I know I got some Antiochers out there, okay? Yes, I go on an Antioch mission trip when I'm like 21, and, um, and they're like, okay, we're going to ask for the nations, and I'm like, nations, give me the whole freaking continent of Africa. <laughs> it's true. I asked for the whole continent. And you want it's mine. It is mine. I'm not in charge of how I'm going to get there. But it's mine. It can be yours too. Okay, so I can share. But I'm just saying... When you're in the honeymoon season with God, and I want to affirm you, when, in, when you're in that space, and you know if you've been there, he, feel, he fills you with his dreams, with the dreams of his heart. And you start dreaming for crazy things, like the continent of Africa. I had another dream, 
And it was, God, I want to have a coffee shop, and I want that to be a vehicle for ministry. And, um, you know, and I want to disciple people through that. And, and, and I would just write these dreams down. Okay, and then I was, God, I want to be a mother. You know, I want to write, and I write this dream down. Okay, another dream I had, cause, I mean, I was on fire, y'all. I, I had, the Lord spoke to me, house church. And so I, I, I went through a season when I was kind of in, involved with the house church movement, and I was like, I'm seeing house churches all over the nation, you know, and I'm like, and that's, I'm doing it, Lord. You know, so I'm, I'm writing all these dreams down. And I can tell you this, those dreams, yours are different, and they're supposed to be, okay? They're from God. They're from God. It might be to have a salon, it might be to have some business that I don't know what it is. You know, because God's put it in your heart. Those dreams are from him. As a prophetic mother, I want to tell you to write them down. Write them down because they're from him. Okay? So then, in, the pro- in this honeymoon season with God, if anybody spoke of a wilderness, I'm going to be honest with you. I was like, psh. You don't know God. I'm just going to be honest with you. I was like, if you're, there's no such thing as a wilderness. We're in the new covenant, no such thing. You know? Okay? I'm always putting my foot in my mouth. Because people said the same thing about marriage, because I'm, I'm, I'm a romantic. Y'all can probably tell. Okay? So I'm like a hopeless romantic. And, and, and Peter was a dream of my heart. Okay? So I'm sitting with God, and I in the honeymoon season, I'm sitting with God, and I'm like, and, I, and I'm actually thinking I'm going to be like the Apostle Paul. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to get married, Lord. I got too many things to do in the kingdom. I'm going to Africa. I got to save every orphan. And, and guys, this is coming from a pure, this, I, this is all coming from overflow. There's no striving in this. It is just, I'm just that, I've been that filled with the love of God. I just want to gush out. I just want to gush out because I'm so in love, okay? And so anyways, I'm like, Lord, Africa needs me, and I just think that I need to be celibate for you. And then, I'm not joking you, one day, it was literally like this. I have, I have a, a change of heart, and I'm sitting with God, okay? If you're in the honeymoon season, just sit with him. Write it down. The word says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. So you just sit there, and you just let him delight over you, and then you just write down the desires of your heart and watch him. So I'm sitting there, and I'm like, Lord, I think I need someone to run the race with. I'm like, I can't do this alone. And I just said, Lord, I need a husband. Send him in, my ti- send him in your timing. And I kid you not, Three months later, this man gets filled with the Holy Spirit. (laughs) And I meet him. And I'm like, that's my husband. And so we had this, like, crazy love story. It was beautiful. And we fell, I mean, we fell hard, and it was great. And um, anyway, so we get married. Okay, all still the honeymoon season, okay? Honeymoon season with God. Now I'm married, okay? And then the wilderness hit. Going to be honest with you. Okay, nothing wrong with that. The wilderness hit. Okay, 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a scripture uh, to you from Psalms, uh, <clears throat> from Psalms 105, okay? Because I want you to know in that honeymoon season, when God gives you all, when, he, when you're writing down those dreams with God, and there's going to be an invitation for you later if you've never had the honey se- honeymoon season with God, he wants that for you. And there's going to be an invitation for you to step into that, to encounter the love of God, to actually encounter it. Okay, there's going to be an invitation for you. If you've never been in that dreaming season, he wants to give that to you, okay? But then after the dreaming season, after the honeymoon season, there comes the wilderness. How many of you know that Jesus, it says that he was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness? Was God mad at him? Nope. Nope, nothing wrong with Jesus. He was ordained by God. The Holy Spirit led him there. Isn't that amazing? So I didn't know that in my youthful zeal, but I know that now. So it says, um, it says in Psalms 105, verses 17. So I, I, I want to give a little scripture for this too. Joseph, okay, it says that he was the favored one by God. Or he was the favored one of his father. Okay? And do you know what that made Joseph? It made him one who was despised by his brothers. Isn't that crazy? But he was favored by his father. So Joseph gets this dream that his brothers are going to bow down to him. Joseph is, I think, about 17 when he gets this dream. Okay? And, and so Joseph is like, I'm awesome. Hey, brothers. You know, you're going to bow down to me. And they don't like that. And do you know what they actually say? They're like, they, in, one of the, in, in the scripture in uh, um, <clears throat> Genesis 37, it say, they say, here comes the dreamer. How many of you have felt that before? Here comes the dreamer. That's what the devil's saying. So those brothers don't like this. They don't like that Joseph is called by, he's called by God, right? But Joseph has some things to work out too, right? He's youthful. There's nothing wrong with Joseph. He's just young. He's just immature, you know? And some of you need to hear that. There's nothing wrong with you. You're just young. That's okay. I, there was nothing wrong with me. I was just young. I needed to grow up a little bit. The wilderness is about growing up. It's about maturing. Psalms 105.17 says this about Joseph. Then he sent someone to Egypt ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They bruised his feet with fetters and placed his neck in an iron collar until the time came to fulfill his dreams. The Lord tested Joseph's character. Then Pharaoh sent for him and set him free. The ruler of the nation opened his prison door. Joseph was put in charge of all the king's household. He became ruler over all the king's possessions. And then you know later in the story, Joseph's brothers end up bowing down to him, right? But it wasn't until Joseph had to walk through this this wilderness season with God. 
Jesus had to walk through the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil. You know, David was anointed king, I think, when he was 14-ish. Maybe he was 16. I think he was 16. He didn't actually become king till he was 30. And he was literally chased by Saul through the wilderness. So I want to encourage those of you that might feel like you're in a wilderness, that you're not far off from God, that he led you there. And it's part of the process. And that's okay. So for me, (coughs) I got married, and the Lord had to mature me. There's some gifts in the wilderness that you don't get in any other season. Okay, so, so anyways, that manifest presence of God that I had felt, it lifted. I don't know where it went, but it lifted. See, when Jesus, he felt the Holy Spirit come when he was baptized the holy spirit said this is my beloved son or maybe it was the father the spirit descended and the father said this is my beloved son in whom i'm well pleased right and then okay so prereq to the wilderness is to experience the love of god it's the honeymoon season and then you're led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil to get your character, right, to develop your character, to mature. You know, in the word, it says, let perseverance have its perfect work so that you can be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. You don't have to persevere through something that's easy. So in order for you to learn perseverance, you have to go through something that's hard. And then you get to be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. So you can't be you're a, a pure, uh, mature and complete Christian without perseverance. Now, it's not a grit and bear, i got to persevere for the rest of my life until he comes home. That's not it, right? There is, there, there is a point when, when you enter the promised land. And, and I want to say this really And honestly, what you discover in the wilderness is that you are actually the promised land. That it actually is about Jesus forming himself inside of you. So that when you come out of the wilderness, he's inside of you. And now you're just the land flowing with milk and honey to the people around you. Not because of what you feel. Not because of your calling but because he's formed himself inside of you. Here's the thing that I think happens, because this happened to me. We get these dreams, okay? We get these dreams in the honeymoon season with God, and then all of a sudden we get our, like, vice grip on those dreams, and we're like, i got to fulfill this calling of God on my life. I can speak from experience. 
Africa, the continent, taunted me. When I was living in Dallas, and I was married, and, and you know, I, I was teaching for a little while, and then I got pregnant, and then I started having kids, which, by the way, was a dream of my heart. Okay, I wanted to have children. Okay, so that was a dream, but how many of you know, how many of you mothers know that there's a lot of dying that happens in, this, in the season of motherhood? A lot of dying happens. So I'm sitting here with this dream in my heart of the continent of Africa, and I'm, I'm called there, and I'm in Dallas, and now I'm pregnant with my third kid? Now, how am I ever going to fulfill my calling, God? This is not what I planned. And, and Africa is taunting me. You're missing your calling. You're settling. You're going to miss it. Any, any fears over missing the call of God on your life? Let me tell you a secret to the wilderness. God's going to bring you to a place where you take that precious dream and you lay it down. Because, and I, again, I'm speaking from experience, it can become an idol. Right? Joseph flaunted his calling to his brothers. And you know what? Joseph had to lay down his calling. And part of the wilderness season is that you, you have to lay down your calling and serve someone else's. That sucks. How many leaders do I have out there? You could do it way better than whoever you're serving. I'm just saying that's what you think in your mind. Just be honest. I know better. I would do it this way. Lay it down. It's not your time yet. You know that, that and here's the beautiful thing, guys, is that I think in the wilderness season two, some of us have some Hagar moments. You know, we're like, by golly, I'm going to make it happen. Because I know I'm called by God. I'll make it happen. And so we have a Hagar moment, and it doesn't work. So I want to speak to anybody who's had a Hagar moment, and you're kicking yourself for it. Guess what? Isaac still came. God was like, I see that. You're bad, Abraham. It's okay. I'm going to give you Isaac. Right? The promise still stands. Okay? So anyways, I have to lay Africa down. And it was so beautiful of the Lord. Peter and I went to Africa in 2015. We are convinced. We actually had Reinhard Bonnke lay hands on us. This is a cool story, okay? I went to, we went to the Jesus Conference when we were in, um, in 2014. It was the first ever Jesus Conference. Reinhard Bonnke is speaking. And I'm sitting in the pews, and I'm like, I can feel in my guts that he's going to say, there are some of you that have asked for continents. I can feel it. And I'm like, I've asked for the continent, you know. And I can feel he's going to say something about that. I kid you not. The next minute. I feel that there are some people in here and you've asked for the entire continents. 
And I want you to know it is possible. (laughs) And I'm like, oh my gosh, he read my mail, you know? So we're already, Peter and I were already planning on going to Africa. So we're like, okay, we're actually going there for on sabbatical. So this is like right before uh, Peter was still on staff at the upper room. We're going on sabbatical to Africa, and and we're really feeling like the next move for us is we're going to be there on sabbatical. God's going to say, it's time to go to Africa. Now's the time. Go. You know, so we go to Africa. We're ready to hear the word of the Lord. It's time for us to go. I've been carrying this dream in my heart for 10 years. It's time, you know, because I know, right? So we go to Africa, and the Lord's like, it ain't time. And I'm like, what? But finally, I laid that dream down. And I said, God, you know what? I'm about to have my third kid. And it's actually going to be a huge blessing to be close to my parents and to Peter's parents. I'm just going to be thankful for the season I'm in right now. And Africa's not going to taunt me anymore. So God... When it's time for you to bring me back, I'm down. But until then, that's your baby. And I can be honest with you. I let that dream go, and I'm free of it. Now, I have no doubt, and here's the thing with God. We don't know what it looks like. I always told Peter to that. Whenever we first got married, I'd be like, babe, I don't know. I just want to go and minister to orphans in Africa. We're going to start in the southern tip, and we're going to just work our way up. And I I was like, I got no idea what it's going to look like, but that's kind of, that's the general plan, you know. And I would always say that. I don't know what it's going to look like. And I should have just listened to my own voice. Like, I don't know what it's going to look like. You don't know what it's going to look like. When God gives you the dreams in the honeymoon season, write it down, but don't be surprised if it looks a little different than you thought. Okay? I have no idea which one of you is going to go to Africa. I don't know if maybe my daughter is going to go there. Or maybe when I'm 40, we'll move over there. I don't know. That ain't up to me. God told Abraham, you're the father of many nations. He was really physically just the father of Isaac. Right? So what if it looks a little different than I think? It's not so heavy. Some of us, when we get a vice grip on our dreams and we start trying to make them happen, it gets to be a really heavy yoke. And he's just saying, lay it down. And I remember the Lord saying, because the dream's real, right? It's a real God dream. It wasn't, it wasn't man-made. It was a God dream. But I was kind of starting to make up the process. So part of the process is you got to lay it down. And you got to let him form himself in you. And you got to serve someone else's vision. And you got to wipe poopy diapers. And you got to clean the kitchen. And you got to do laundry. It's part of the process. 
And so I had to lay down these seemingly God-sized dreams for something that felt very ordinary. And I stopped feeling that manifest presence of God. And I started to feel uh, in despair. And I started to feel feelings of rejection. All of these similar feelings that I used to feel pre-honeymoon season, they started kind of making their way back, just kind of knocking on my door. And I didn't have that manifest, ooey-gooey presence of God to kind of push it away, right? And so this is what I had to do. I had to get my face in the word. You know that when Jesus went into the wilderness season, he did not fight the devil with, no, I'm the father's son in whom I, and, yeah, I, I, I'm the father's son in whom he's dearly, lo- dearly loved. He fought the devil with the word. The word was deep inside of Jesus. And so in the wilderness season, Jesus is wanting to give you a foundation. And if you have a bad foundation, he's going to bulldoze it. If your foundation is what you can do for God, he's going to bulldoze that. If your foundation is your passion for God, he's going to bulldoze that. Peter shared this, I think, a lot, but I had a really significant dream several years ago. In the dream, Heidi Baker comes to me, which was very good for me because Heidi Baker is Mama Africa, right? She comes to me, and I say, Heidi, how are every, how's everybody in your ministry doing? And she said, 50% are doing great, and 50% are really struggling. And then I said, okay. And she said, the 50% that are doing great are the ones that are focused on Jesus' passion for them. The ones that are struggling are focused on their passion for Jesus. So if you're like, God, if you're introspecting and you're like, I don't know if I'm passionate enough for you, God, I don't, you know, he's going to bulldoze that. It's not about your passion for him. Your passion for him didn't do nothing. Didn't do nothing. Every single one of us crucified Jesus. That's heavy, but that's relieving for me. That means that I don't bring anything to the table. He brought it all. I gave him my crap. He gave me his goodness. Woo! That feels good. And I just feast on that. So in the wilderness season, I don't feel God. I don't feel his love. I feel rejected. My calling feels 18 million miles away. Where, and, and this is me. Where's the passionate, joyful Christy? And then I start blaming the blame game. How many of you have done the blame game? I was queen. And I start blaming Peter. Well, I got married and then just, uh, you know. He didn't love me enough. And then the Lord speaks to that. He's like, why are you giving him, um, why are you giving him the opportunity to do that? That's my job. 
So that, that foundation, what do people think of me? He's bulldozing that. I just want people to see me. He's bulldozing that. So I run to God, and I'm messy. The enemy starts lying to me, and I start believing it. And you know what happens when the enemy starts lying to you, and you start believing it? You get depressed. You get anxious. And that happened to me. And I have a really wonderful um, spiritual mother, and she's looking down right now. I can feel it. She is amazing, and, and you know, I want to, any of the, those of you who need spiritual mothers who give people the power to speak into your life. I was believing a lie, and I believed this lie for two years probably. Hook, line, and sinker. I couldn't get it out of my brain. It was fixed, and I was convinced. And I was honest with the lie, so that was good because if there's any of you in here and you're not honest with the light, just go ahead and get it out into the light. Super important. Get it into the light. Okay? I had this lie in the light. I did. I was wrestling it. I was struggling with it. And, and, um, and anyways, but it wasn't going anywhere. And then in one blessed moment, I'm sitting with, with my spiritual mother. She was a counselor, and I tell her the lie, and she goes, she looks at me, and she goes, yeah, but that's a lie. And in a moment, that thing was broken off my life. In a moment, I stopped believing it. That's possible. It's possible for you to come out of agreement with lies. You don't got to feel everything. You don't have to have a deep encounter. In a moment, you can come out of agreement. So I came out of agreement with that lie, and that was good because there was a lot of freedom that happened in that space when I came out of agreement with that lie. But when you're not feeling the manifest presence of God and you're in a culture and everybody else is, you start to feel like there's something wrong with me because they're all feeling it and I ain't, you know? And so that's why I'm saying it's really important for you to know your season. Because if you know it's cool, I'm in a wilderness, then that's okay. You celebrate with the people who are in the honeymoon season and you're just where you are and that's okay. And you learn to hear God differently. Because, see, in the wilderness season, God started to talk to me different. The wilderness isn't all bad. You know, it says in Hosea, it says he drew me into the wilderness to speak tenderly to me. In my wilderness season, I encountered God in a different way. It wasn't the same as the honeymoon. It was different. This is how I encountered Jesus. He became my merciful advocate when I was broken. Peter says, high priest, I say merciful advocate. That's what he was to me in the wilderness. Every time I felt condemnation come chirping in my ear, and it came. You're not the Christy you used to be. You're just wiping poopy diapers, and you're just a nobody, no, nothing, nah, 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 nah. you're just Peter's wife. And that was very real. And it came just chirping all the time. And I would run to Jesus. And he'd say, I see you. I see you. It's not about what you do. 
And then I started encountering Jesus in my brokenness. And I said, God, I feel like I'm not doing anything. I don't feel joyful. I don't feel your love. And I would open the word. And I became captivated by the blood of Jesus. That cleansed me. That when I heard the devil saying, you're not clean, I would read all the scripture that says you are clean. And I became captivated by this truth that was outside of myself and outside of what I was feeling. It's a solid rock. It doesn't depend on a worship service. It doesn't depend on an encounter. It is written. In the promise, in the in the honeymoon season with God, God gives you encounter, and then he moves you into the wilderness and shows you the word that you can actually stand on. That's the reason for the encounter you had. So I start reading in Colossians. And the craziest thing started sticking out to me in Scripture. It was simply the tense that was used, and I was blown away. So I'm going to read this in Colossians 1. (coughs) Wow. So good to get a good foundation. (coughs) So it's talking about Jesus being the firstborn. He existed before anything else. And here we go. <clears throat> Colossians 1.19, For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you, who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ and his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. So I'm like, I get right in the word because I'm like, I don't feel the love I used to feel, God. I don't feel clean like I used to feel. I did that, you know. And it's, I'm just taken by this. He has reconciled me. It's a done deal. I have been brought near. I'm already there. And so the gift in the wilderness is a renewed mind. You have those encounters in the honeymoon season, but the gift in the wilderness is the renewed mind. When you're not feeling him, and you start seeing him in the word, and now your foundation is that it is written. And then it doesn't matter if you feel it or not, it's just written. I don't come in by any other way. I just come in by the blood. And his blood was shed 2,000 years ago, so it doesn't matter if I feel it or don't feel it or the song is good or not good. I'm in. We're good. 
And so then I just become obsessed with this Jesus who in my brokenness came near. There was a time when I was still in the fits of anxiety and panic. And, and I couldn't sleep. And you can imagine the condemnation because the Christie of like, when I was like 16 to 22, was on fire for Jesus, loved God, super passionate, super joyful, going to Africa. And now here I am like 26 or 28, I don't remember exactly, and I'm having anxiety. And I, so much so that I can't even sleep. And the devil is just having a heyday. You're not who you used to be. Na, 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 na. Right? So I'm panicked. I'm like, oh, I can't sleep. I go out to my couch, and I'm, and I'm on my couch just trying to get a few hours of sleep in. And, I'm, and I wake up, and I finally, I think I finally fell asleep, and I wake up, and I hear a whisper. And I've never, I've never, this has never happened to me before. I hear a whisper, and I'm, this is, I'm, I'm in and out of panic, right, and anxiety. So I'm not in a good place. And I hear a whisper. I like you. I turn around. Babe? Not there. And I'm like, So that means that his liking me is not connected to how I'm doing. Oh my gosh. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I think God just said he liked me. I can't make this stuff up, guys. I open my devotional that morning, you know. It's like Jesus calling. It says the date. It's like October 28th or whatever. And so I'm like, all right, I'm just going to read October 28th. That's all I got for today, Lord. Do you know what October 28th was or whatever? My sheep hear my voice. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So in the wilderness season, God whispers to you in your brokenness, I like you. And it doesn't matter if you're in Africa or that dream that you have, that you're so convinced that he's called you to, which I'm still saying he's called you to it, but you're not identified by it. You're identified by his blood and his blood alone. And his blood looks different on Ava than it looks on Sydney. He likes you. He doesn't just love you. That's the beauty of being a mother, is that before our babies do anything, we're like, oh my gosh, I'm so obsessed with you. That's the joy we have. That is literally God's heart over you. He's like, I am so obsessed with you. Not for your calling. He just loves you. Period. So that's what he does in the honeymoon season is he roots and establishes you in his love. And it's his love displayed in the scripture. So that now you're identifying yourself with Christ. I remember really vividly another time I was really struggling, and it's really important when you're struggling and you're in the wilderness season that you're in the company of other people. And you hear what other people have to say. So one day I'm really struggling, 
and I'm like not feeling the Lord's love. And I'm a feeler, right? So I'm like, God, th- there's got to be something wrong because if I'm in a wilderness, there's something wrong. You know, I, it still hadn't clicked yet, okay? And so I, so I just, I, I'm running to God and I say, God, if you'll just give me something to stand on, I'll stand, you know? Can't make this stuff up. I run into the prayer room. I'm sitting there with God and I'm weeping, okay? <sighs> I'm feeling far off, you know? not feeling no good, all these things, you know. And how many of y'all know Michael Malden? Anybody know Michael Malden? Okay, he's, he's, a, he's a dear friend, and he was, used to be a pastor at the upper room. So he comes walking over with a little sheet of paper, just a little note, small little note. And the little note says this. In this season, no, it says, you are the elect of God. In this season, God is teaching you to stand in his righteousness not in your own strength or righteousness. His power is perfected in weakness. Receive his love based on his perfection in your own weakness and inadequacy. I literally said, God, where should I stand? And he says, here you go, stand in my righteousness. How many of you know your righteousness, his righteousness is not connected to you? He is righteous all by himself. It doesn't matter your feelings. It doesn't matter your experience. It doesn't matter if you woke up in a good mood or a bad mood or whatever it is. His righteousness is as sure as the sun. And so all of a sudden, now, the gift in the wilderness is a renewed mind. I can stand in his righteousness. And all of a sudden, I'm saying, if he's righteous, I'm righteous. And then the Lord starts saying things like, you look just like me. I don't feel like I look just like you. I feel messy. But he knows better than I do. So I just start seeing all over the scripture that it's about his righteousness, and I'm clean because of what he did. And I get this gift of a renewed mind in the wilderness. And it doesn't depend on my feelings, and it doesn't depend on an encounter. It's just written in the word. And that's what's so important, I think, about what Peter's sharing. That's what's so important about these resources is is you're able to say it is so because it's what he said. And then you can stand there. And then when you get filled with his word, then you can give it away. You have something to give because now he's filled filled you with his word. And so now you're standing in his righteousness, and you're rooted in his word. One more thing that, that I want to share about in the wilderness is that the Lord speaks differently. He started speaking less through encounters and more through the word. He started speaking through people so that if Peter said, I see no flaw in you, I just started saying, okay. Okay. And I just started saying, 
And then I started to just feel the Father's tenderness. If I would get in a funky headspace, some of you in a funky headspace, just go take a walk. Seriously. A walk, a nap. Just go bring cookies to your neighbor. You know, it says in Philemon, it says, I pray that you be active in sharing your your faith so that you'll know all the good things that you have in Christ. A huge part of us getting out of the wilderness is actually taking physical steps out of the wilderness. It, I, had a, I had an encounter once, and I felt um, I, I was stressed out, all the things, had a million things to do, and God put this person right in front of me, right in front of me that needed something really simple. And God's like, you can meet that need. I had a million things to do, million things to do. And I was like, and I wasn't in a great space. I was a little stressed out. I had to do this for this kid, this for this kid. And the Lord's like, you have time. I don't think I have time. I don't feel like I have time. You have time. Okay. So I go to this person, and I was like, can I, do you want this? And I gave, I gave him some goldfish. He was a homeless man, and it's, you know. And, and my heart opened to him, and I was like, can I do anything else for you? And I just start chatting with him. And, and he's like, you know, and he was thankful for what I gave him, and it, it was clear that this it wasn't really going much beyond this. But I got back into my car, and I realized I've got a lot more to give than I thought. I didn't think I had something to give. I didn't feel like I had something to give, but I actually stepped out. I put legs to my faith, and I actually gave, and guess what? My whole perspective changed. And this is going to blow your mind. I go to get coffee, and I can't, I can't make this stuff up. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get myself a latte. I get to the front window, and the lady says, it's been paid for. And I'm like, what? She's like, it's been paid for. The person behind you paid for it. And I'm like, okay, now there's a whole thing, and I know a lot of people talk about it, where you, like, sow seeds, and then you reap, and, you, you know, all this stuff. stuff. So I'm, I hear the Lord say, if there's always enough to give, you're flowing with milk and honey. It's a perspective change. In the wilderness... God gives you a renewed mind, and he gives you a perspective change. Because now it's not about what you feel or you don't feel or an encounter or not an encounter. He's actually living on the inside of you, and if he's righteous, you're righteous. If he's enough, you're enough. And now all of a sudden, all you have to do is take legs and start stepping out in it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I bet I could give something else, and who knows what I'll get after that. Like, if I give, he's just going to keep on giving. Each of you were created to be givers, but how you were created to give is different. So in the wilderness, he's wanting to form himself inside of you so that now when you step out of the wilderness, you're the promised land. Because now he said, hey, my answer is actually that I form myself in you, and now I can move through you. And so now I've realized that actually it's not so much about a place or a destination. It's actually now he's inside of me. So whether or not I'm like changing diapers or up here on the pulpit or if I'm like just in my neighborhood, I am Christ embodied wherever I go. I am the walking, roaming, promised land. And if he takes me to Africa, he takes me to Africa. And if he keeps me here, he keeps me here. But now he's formed himself inside of me, and now I just give from what's been given to me. And it's that simple. 
So I just want to bless you to be where you are, to let him form himself inside of you in the wilderness. And then when he says, hey, take a, take a step, take a step. And then take another step. Because the Israelites, when they went into the promised land, it was step by step. It wasn't this, like, big whoosh. It was they conquered it slowly as they walked in faith. And some of us are waiting for this big, like, next big momentum push thing. And he's like, just take a step on what I've given you. And take the next step of what I've given you. I've given you enough. I've given you enough because I've given you Christ. So I hope that's encouraging. To be honest with you, I feel like I'm, I am stepping into the promised land. That's where I am right now. I'm stepping into it. And I think there's an invitation for every person here to see, okay, I've never had that, that place. I've never had the place of, of that manifest presence of God where I'm in the honeymoon season. I want that. Some of you, that's the invitation. Others of you are in the wilderness and you're trying to go back to the honeymoon. And he's like, I don't want you to go back to the honeymoon. I want you to be in the wilderness. I want you to learn to let my word determine who you are. I want you to learn to serve another person's vision. I want you to learn to hear me differently and to walk by faith. I want you to learn to be thankful in all things and to worship me in all things. I want you to lay down your calling And then for some of you, I believe God's saying it's time to take a step into the promised land. You don't need anything else. You don't need another filling. You don't need another encounter. You just need to take a step. You just need to give. And then I'll give you more. And then you just need to give again and I'll give you more. And some of you, I feel like there's like that you have an opportunity. Like the Lord's saying, I've given you the opportunity to take the step. Will you take it? And some of you have let some steps go. You've let some opportunities go because you're like still wandering around in the wilderness. And he's like, no, 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 it's time. Take the step. Take the step. And the devil's saying, don't take the step. You're not ready yet. You're not ready yet. You're not filled yet. You're condemned. You know, he's saying all the things, right? Just take the step. So I think there's three invitations, and I don't know if we want to uh, do that right now or wait till tonight. So, so, yeah, I just want you to kind of in your heart just, just figure out, Lord, where am I? Are you wanting me to, st- are you, are, have I never had that, that baptism of the Holy Spirit, that encounter with your love, that honeymoon season where you want to fill me with the dreams of your heart? Have I never had that? Well, then give me that, God. Or God, am I, am I trying to hold on to a honeymoon experience when you're trying to mature me and grow me up in you? Are you wanting me to actually lay some things down that I've made idols? Or God, maybe it's time. Maybe you're saying, I want to give you that dream, that thing that you asked for. I want to give it to you because now you're ready. And I want you to take a step. So I think those are the invitations. So I'm just going to pray over you, and I just believe that the Lord is going to speak to your hearts about where you are and what he's saying to do. And um, you can kind of respond in your room, in your chair right now, and then later on if um, 
you know, I think we're going to have another ministry time. If the Lord brings that back up, we can, we can minister to that. So, Jesus, thank you for everyone who's here, God. I just thank you for every season, God. I thank you that you're in every season. Lord, I ask for those that have believed, um, Lord, that want that, that tangible encounter with your love, that have never had it. God, I just believe you want to give it. We can't strive for it. You give freely. And I ask for that for those, Lord, that need it. And God, for those that are trying to to hold on to the old, when you're trying to walk them into the wilderness to speak tenderly to them in a different way, you're wanting to speak to them through your word. You're wanting to speak to them through submitting to, to someone else's vision. You're wanting to speak to them through the smile in their kid's face, through being outside. You're wanting to just speak differently to them in this season. Would you give them the grace to hear you in the wilderness season? To speak tenderly to them. To be merciful to them. That they can feel that you're a good father. That they can give you those dreams. That they can lay them before your feet. that they can trust you with them. Just ask that you would open ears to hear you differently in that season if they have been trying to hear you in an old way. And God, for those that feel this fire in their bones like they're stepping into the promised land, but it takes an act of faith, it takes a step, that you've given them an invitation to give from your abundance, I just ask that you would show them the next step, Lord, and that they would be the land flowing with milk and honey to those around them because you're always loving, Jesus. You never change. You're always the same. And I ask, Jesus, that that would be their sure foundation the ever-flowing fountain of Jesus, the blood of Jesus that's ever-flowing on their behalf, that they would become vessels of that in whatever sphere they're in, and that would become their pearl of great price, would just to be the, the hands and feet of Jesus wherever they go. So thank you, God, for each person in here. And I bless each person in here. And I thank you that you know every story, God. And I impart dreams and vision and hope in Jesus' name.